many people listen to this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Another episode of Abstract, the podcast of the Metropolitan Educational Research Consortium at Virginia Commonwealth University, where we explore issues in education. My name is David Naff, and I'm your host. Uh, you could say that today's episode is going to be action-packed. Get it? <laughs> right? Uh, literally, because today we're talking to teachers who are action researchers in their schools. And if you're thinking to yourself, what is action research? That sounds really cool. Don't worry because it is really cool, and we're going to tell you all about it today. Um, as always, I'm joined by a group of dynamic educators and researchers from the Richmond area who are here to share their perspectives on the topic. And in the spirit of the strange nor'easter weather pattern that's covered the New England area and several inches of snow, but somehow managed to miss us with the snow, but made it unusually cold in the Richmond area for the middle of March, um, I imagine the people that were that are in here today have students that were anticipating some snow days, but didn't get them. So as I introduce everybody here, um, I'd like for you to share what your favorite thing to do was on a snow day when you were a student. So we're going to start with Mervic Mitchell, who's a physical science teacher at George H. Moody Middle School from Henrico County Schools. What was your favorite thing to do on a snow day growing up? Go back to bed and sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Uh, Margaret Kilty, kindergarten teacher from G.H. Reed Elementary School for Richmond Public Schools. Favorite thing to do on a snow day? Sledding at the reservoir. Ooh, the reservoir. Probably some solid hills. A very solid, very steep hill with my brothers and sisters. So, so you had to be brave for those. Uh, Liza Collins, math teacher at Clover Hill High School from Chesterfield County Schools. I, I mean, I love to read, so I would just lock myself in my room and read all day. All right. Yeah. All right. Math teacher. I know. I was about to say. I know. I knew I was going to get called out on that. All right. Uh, multidisciplinary. Um, Jenny Smith, um, a reading teacher from Cuyacasan Middle School for Henrico County Schools. What was your favorite thing to do on a snow day? Uh, we had the driveway that everyone liked to sled down, so sledding, sledding central. So you were the spot. We were the spot. Did you provide the hot chocolate afterwards, too? Probably not. No, they have to do that on their own. Provide their own. And Jenny's a co-facilitator of this program with um, Jesse Seneschal, who is with us as always, the director of the Metropolitan Educational Research Consortium. Jesse, what was your favorite thing to do on a snow day growing up? Snow sculptures. Describe the best snow sculpture you ever made. Uh, A huge cat. Uh, I have so many follow-up questions that I'm going to save for later. Um, Again, my name's David. I grew up in Boone, North Carolina, where we had lots of snow days, so lots of sledding, too. And I remember we would come in um, and take off all of those jackets, and we were really hot because we were wearing all those jackets, and we always had ice-cold root beer. I remember root beer never tasted as good as after sledding on a snow day. Ice cold. For some reason, you want cold stuff on on cold days. At least I do. Okay, so lots of questions today. We're talking about action researchers and teachers as researchers. Um, Let's hop right into this so we can um, start figuring out what this is. So, Jesse, what exactly is action research? Fill us in. Okay, action research is a a form of research that emerged from a number of different uh, disciplines and, and sort of areas. Uh, it's used in community organizing and sort of organizational development um, and really caught on in um, education and uh, hence teacher action research. But the whole idea is uh, that it's research where uh, that's conducted by practitioners or people that are within settings. And it's a cyclical process and so we have um, folks within the setting uh, posing questions about problems they face and um, and then figuring out ways to uh, answer those questions by collecting um, evidence, data, about um, the, the problems they're facing and um, going through cycles of asking questions, collecting data, reflecting on it, and then posing new questions. Hmm. Um, and uh, it caught on really like in the early 90s in, in teaching and has been uh, had a lot of um, sort of momentum since then. I think the new sort of push towards um, data-driven instruction is 
is not too far off of line of what we would think of being action research. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a, a, a rough um, a rough definition, but I think as we go through the conversation today, there'll be kind of more subtleties of that coming out. Yeah, how yeah. is it different than other more traditional forms of educational research? Well, it's different. Um, traditional research we usually think of as being conducted by um, you know the, the researchers from the university, and so mm -hmm. who conducts it is it makes it different. Um, the quick cycles make it different. Usually traditional research is conducted over long periods of time and there's a long period of sort of developing a study before you implement it and then you conduct it and then you go back and analyze your data. In action research, you're very embedded and it, it happens uh, much quicker. Um, there, um, you know, at a more sort of, uh, without getting too deep on it, the philosophical le level, the nature of the knowledge is different as well. Um, generally, when we think about um, traditional research, the goal is to develop sort of generalized knowledge, mm -hmm. to kind of like find things that if we learn this, this is gonna be um, generalizable to other settings and other schools. With action research, there's cer certainly stuff that can be learned from particular projects, but it's very context-rich, context-specific um, knowledge that's really tied to your, to your classroom and to your school and to your setting. There are a number of ways, and this is something I've been thinking a lot about, um, that it sort of defines its own sort of research paradigm. It's got its own set of assumptions about, you know, uh, what knowledge is valuable and how that knowledge should be used, and so. So the general idea is that teachers have access to participants in their classroom already, right? And mm -hmm. you can do quick research, it's pretty nimble, pretty quick turnaround, and then you're able to apply it in a way that makes sense for your students and maybe even people in your school. So the goal isn't necessarily generalizability so much as this is going to work for these students. This is what I learned for these students right here. Um, could you provide some background on the Merck Action Research Initiative? And then I want to pull Jenny in on this question too. Right. The background on the initiative, it, it goes back to when I was a teacher. Um, and I taught for a long time in Chicago Public Schools. And about halfway through my career in teaching in Chicago, um, I was working with a professor from the University of Illinois, Pauline Lipman, who... Um, who we were collaborating on some, some work around social justice education and um, she suggested that we do an action research project to develop the curriculum for this program. And so I collaborated with another teacher, a couple of folks from the university and then some community um, organizers in the, in the neighborhood. And we did a two year action research um, project to sort of understand what it means to teach for social justice in an urban school context. Mm. And it was, um, as a teacher, it was the most uh, it was the most transformational professional development I'd ever had. I learned the most. I, more of my assumptions were challenged than ever before. Um, I felt like it was, uh, and it had a powerful impact on my classroom, my teaching, my students. And so, um, so there was that. Um, I continued to teach, continued to work on that project, then moved back to Richmond. I grew up in Richmond, but moved back to Richmond and um, taught for a couple years in Richmond Public Schools and then moved into university. When I moved into university, I was um, placed uh, in a graduate assistantship with Merck, um, and the whole idea of Merck is sort of connecting, um, bridging the gaps between researchers and practitioners, and I just always thought, oh, action research is a, you know, right along those lines. It made a lot of sense to um, propose that we start an action research program, mm -hmm. and um, the initial uh, version of the program was uh, probably five or six years ago, and it's gone through multiple cohorts. Um, Originally, I was working with Suzanne Crosdale, who worked with the uh, Technical Training Assistance Center uh, for VCU. But uh, over the time, it's evolved. It's been great. You know, it's it's it's. Uh, we put out a call. Teachers from all the Merck school divisions, uh, you know, put their names forward, and we have a cohort, and people work on their projects, and we act as a sort of support group for each other, and share ideas, and and really offer peer peer critique and peer review for each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jenny, what can you add on to that? And maybe give us a little background about how you got involved with this. Sure, um, I did. I participated in a court three years ago. I had uh, recently moved to Henrico, and I had been. Um, teaching in Philadelphia before that, and I, in graduate school, um, one of my professors, Susan Lytle, was all about teacher inquiry, and I had sort of mm -hmm. been trained in that way of thinking about my classroom as a grad student, um, and had sort of left a pretty um, community of kind of activist teachers in Philadelphia. I was kind of hungry for some great teacher relationships um, when I moved to Richmond, and then happened to see an ad for this group. Um, and joined and then did my own project about uh, student talk and, and furthering uh, students' reading skills through discussion and conversation, um, and then helped Jesse facilitate for the past two years. 
Um, and it's been, I just, I've really enjoyed the opportunity to listen to other teachers talk about their projects. And then specifically for me, I really enjoyed the, like the crash course and a research methodology that we got at the beginning of the program, mm -hmm. um, which helped me think a little more critically and clearly about how to ask questions and, and ways of like looking at the data that teachers are bombarded with, but being mm -hmm. a little bit more strategic about collecting it and analyzing it. Um, so yeah, that was sort of how I, how I found myself here. Yeah, and you mentioned this crash course in methodology. So yes. how is this program run? How does this work? Uh, so in the summer, the teachers get together um, and we've gone from one day to two days and talked days. about maybe three days. Next year, four so days, who knows? Two months of <laughs> instruction on um, basic you know, research tools, interviewing, hmm. uh, developing surveys, analyzing interviews, analyzing survey results. Um, and then sort of initial project design in the summer. Mm -hmm. And then we meet four times over the course of the school year. Mm -hmm. um, and teachers update each other on their projects, um, get feedback from each other on their projects. Um, those meetings, I think, are, hopefully you guys will agree, are really like the questions, um, the opportunity to have people tell you like, oh, that, that, that lines up really nicely, or I'd like to know more about that. So, mm -hmm. Help to think about how to tell your story and share your project, and, and really um, think about what it means to other teachers for you to talk about what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. So it's designed in a way to make sure that other people can do research. This, is, this isn't something that's overwhelming or scary. This is stuff that you can Absolutely. do. And you mentioned some of the you mentioned your topics and some of the other topics that other people do. What kind of topics have you seen that are generally taken on by researchers in here? I think the topics reflect the range of the teachers. I mean, truly, we have pre-K through high school and every content area. Um, I feel like, so some projects are really content specific and are really designed around um, instructional strategies and, incre and you know, increasing students' skill in a particular area. Um, like we had someone in my group this year who was talking about uh, math vocabulary. So that's a really like content skill specific question. Some projects might be more, um, like still within the context of a specific classroom, but more around like student attitude or student behavior, student engagement is a really popular topic. Mm -hmm. um, so less about content, but more about sort of like the softer skills of education. Um, and then some projects I think have impacts that are beyond the classroom and are intended to from the beginning, whether that's parent engagement or looking at school practices around student engagement and motivation or like Liza's project, which is looking at a she can talk more about it, but a, project, a, a policy or a program in, once in, in a school, but how that program might be made more effective across the school. Mm -hmm. um, but what's cool, I think, is that there's crossover in projects in really interesting ways. So like a, a, a first grade teacher might be looking at student engagement, but so might an 11th grade teacher, and that's mm -hmm. interesting. And I think, um, I know when I listen to teachers talk about their projects, I can always think of specific teachers in my building that would love hearing them mm -hmm. talk about it. Like there's always like, yes, this matters. What you're doing in Clover Hill High School matters to Cuyahoga the Middle School. Like there's always such relevance um, in what the teachers are sharing. So. Mm. How cool. Well, we have some real-life action researcher teachers in this room, and we would love to know how it is that you got involved. So, Maverick, why don't you get us started? How did you get involved with this initiative? Well, I saw the advertisement, and then I said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm always interested in improving myself as a teacher, as a, as a role model for my student. I'm a lifelong learner. And I want to understand and gain new knowledge on improving educational practices that I can use in my classroom to benefit my students and myself. Mm -hmm. I don't want, they said that don't teach the same thing for, it's okay to teach for 25 years, but don't teach the same thing 25 times, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Go find new ways of teaching because you have different kinds of kids and how would you motivate them? So mm -hmm. this is like, oh, I like to do that. I like research and I'm, I push research for my kids to do in science. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we have 120 students went to the Metro Richmond STEM fair hmm. last weekend. How cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Margaret, how about you? How'd you get involved in this? Well, this is one component of the Meta Teacher Leadership Academy. Mm. So I have to be upfront about that. But I also had done action research in graduate school and then straight research, which was really my first introduction to research mm. uh, because I didn't study it in my undergraduate uh, career. Uh, so this was one component of that, but also it, it very much connected and, and kind of meshed really well. I teach at a Title I priority school, mm. and this is our third year of priority status, and data seems to be a focus. So this 
was an opportunity to take some of the best methodology and talk to experts and other teachers and develop something that was specific for my students mm. and then maybe even my grade level and then my school. Mm. So, and it's become, it, it's evolved. Um, I've ended up in an area and Jesse and Jenny have been really instrumental in that. The feedback has been tremendously helpful and informative for me because where I started isn't really where I am now, mm. even though it's very connected. And it's been really fascinating to see that and how it's very specific for my students. Yeah. So I think that parallels the research process, too, because research projects rarely land where they started. Like, what you think a project's going to be is rarely what it's going to be at the end, and it's probably true with other folks in here with the projects that they I did. I think so. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Uh, Liza, how about you? Uh, similar to Margaret, I'm participating in the Meta Teacher Leadership Program, and so this is one of the domains to complete in order to go through that program but after having the whole reason why I'm in that program to begin with is to become a better teacher and improve my leadership qualities as a teacher and so this by participating in this research I'm finding that happening and that's what I really enjoy. And I, I just want to give a big shout out to Meta and to um, <laughs> the Center for Teacher Leadership and um, Terry Dozier. Uh, I didn't mention that in uh, part of the evolution of the Action Research Initiative is it went from something that was just for Merck and then um, Terry uh, Dozier, who's the, the head of the Center for Teacher Leadership, reached out to me and said this would be a great training for our Meta teacher leaders. Mm -hmm. And so then it became a collaboration between Meta and Merck. And Meta, like Merck, is a regional um, uh, collaboration between uh, Richmond area school divisions around professional development. Mm -hmm. And I think action research sits an interesting place between professional development and research. Mm -hmm. And so it was, um, it was a, a good uh, sort of partnership in that regard. Mm -hmm. yeah. And what does Meta stand for? Uh, Metropolitan Educational Training Alliance. Okay. Yeah. 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 So another collaboration between local school divisions and yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I love teacher leadership. I think it was a, they have a great thing going on with the um, with their endorsement, and um, was very excited about getting hooked into that. Yeah. yeah. Merck's all about collaboration. Yeah. Um, Liza, sticking with you, what's been your experience so far of engaging in the action research program? What do you think of it so far? My program, and Jenny spoke about it earlier, the research that I've been doing is taking Cavalier Morning, which is kind of a remediation time, part of our instructional day, and trying to figure out how to improve it and make it work best for both students and teachers. Mm -hmm. And so what's happened is our bell schedule is changing in the fall of 2018. Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what I've been heading towards is, is, are we having this remediation time at the best part of our school day? Because mm -hmm. as it stands now, we have it before first period. And that's what I wanted to do research on. Well, that's where I ended up. That's not exactly <laughs> where I started. And so now there has actually been a task force formed at our school um, to see where is this going to go and I know that our principal has invited parents to be part of that but there are teachers um, from all different departments I'm one of them and we start meeting next Monday to see um, are we going to change it is it still going to be before first period are we going to do it after first period yeah. are we going to get rid of it altogether and just yeah. have classes so I not sure exactly what that's going to look like since our first meeting is coming up, but it looks like we are going to be taking student input, parent input, and mm. um, making some decisions. So, pretty excited about that. Yeah. Merrick, how about you? I teach at the band students, and so I always thought that how can I increase the cognitive engagement of my students. I know that we pass the SOL. For these kids, SOL is minimum. This is the standards of learning. But how can I, my job now is not just to pass them, how high I can get them there to get past it there. And um, so I'm looking at the uh, inquiry-based lesson and I, get, I really gain positive experience that are relevant to me as a teacher. And change is an essence of progress my action research project made me a better teacher and seeing my students benefit from it is my greatest accomplishment mm. 
students became more engaged and asked more meaningful questions. Mm -hmm. And it's really, this is like, look like they're like young adults when, <laughs> when they ask questions. They were able to see real world application and create complex connections. Yeah. How could you tell that they were more engaged? It's the way they ask the question, and mm -hmm. it's not me giving them the answer. I think most classroom is like the kids will say, so what is the answer? Am I correct? Mm -hmm. It's good to have a follow-up question that makes them think. Mm -hmm. And it's really they're not, finally they get, I answered my own question. Mm -hmm. Margaret, how about you? How's your experience been so far being engaged in this? It's been really interesting, and um, I teach, as I said, at a Title I priority school, so this is our third year of priority status, which makes teaching really challenging, and our English language learning population has doubled in the time that I've been at the school. So this year I have 14 out of 20 students who are English language learners. And I initially started looking at number systems knowledge, which is really foundational for being successful with math. But the amount of assessing, and this is where Jesse and Jenny have been really helpful, that I've been required to do this year hasn't been either developmentally appropriate or really conducive to learning. Mm -hmm. And then that led to the next question about whether or not the assessing was in itself sort of an impediment to the learning process mm -hmm. and whether the vocabulary was I assessing content knowledge or was I assessing English language understanding? Mm. Because I really needed to look at that for a population of students who predominantly don't speak English. Mm -hmm. So that led to another path of inquiry, which has been really interesting. So some of the information is being disseminated to my colleagues, and they're very aware, especially the math specialist, of some of the challenges that we're mm -hmm. facing and in particular language and whether or not we are fairly and equitably assessing children in what we are meaning to assess them and that gets into these other really interesting research questions that have I think a really profound impact on education at the elementary level and the high school level and even questions of opportunity and equity beyond that. Sure. So it's been it's been a really fascinating journey. Yeah. And as I said, I somewhat unexpected because I had a much more linear idea of where I was going to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it goes where it wants to sometimes. It does, it does, it has. Yeah, I think what's really cool about what everybody said, not only is this happening at different levels of school, but also different levels of needs. You're talking about being in a high-need environment. You're talking about working with advanced-level students. So we're, we're kind of all over the place with the types of outcomes you're looking at, the types of populations that you're working at. This is broadly applicable with a lot of different populations and things that you want to look at. And when you're talking about the challenges, Margaret, what... What I'm interested in is how challenging is it to incorporate this work into the work that you're already doing? Because presumably, as a kindergarten teacher in a high-needs environment, you're a pretty busy woman. So how do you incorporate this in? Is this something that's challenging to work into your it already is. existing job? Um, the topic I initially picked was one I was already interested in and one that I really wanted to focus on anyway, mm -hmm. and I'd already established a relationship with the math specialist from the turnaround company. So that we kind of knew, or I mentioned to her, this is what I'm really interested in. And so that that component was a little bit easy, but it's been very challenging because of the amount of assessing that I'm required to do. Mm -hmm. um, this year in particular has been, which is hard to believe because it was difficult last year, but Jesse and Jenny and Mary, you heard this. We came back from Christmas break on January 2nd, January 3rd, we had a meeting where we went over the assessments that we had to give mm. for the month of January. So a two-part reading assessment, an assessment in science, an assessment in social studies, mm. a benchmark assessment in reading, a benchmark assessment in math, and then the state of Virginia has PALS reading. Um, and I That's actually, it. these are, are yeah. five-year-olds, um, and they're young five-year-olds. My yeah. earliest... Um, mm. My earliest birthday was at the end of January, so I had all five-year-olds for more than half of the school year. Wow. And um, I did manage to get it done. Mm -hmm. And what's been very interesting, because Maravik and I work sort of together in our groups, um, because she talks a lot about experiential learning mm -hmm. and what she's trying to get her high-achieving students to do, but it's really connected to what should be happening in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And... 
I know that I'm supposed to be doing some of what she's describing, but it becomes very challenging to do. It's almost impossible to do because mm-hmm. I have to assess one-to-one because of the language barrier. The assessments this year have to be approved. So they've all been very literacy-based. They've been multiple mm-hmm. choice. There haven't been visuals. So it's been really rewarding and helpful listening to some of what Maravec is describing and seeing, because she does presentations, about what she's got her students doing and how she's trying to challenge them mm-hmm. and knowing that this is something that I need, we need to be incorporating at our level um, and when we're not really doing it. So it, it's been... Um, it's been frustrating at times, and Jesse and Jenny have heard the frustrations, and so have Maravik. But it's also been um, rewarding because it's not often in my life that I get to say, well, scientifically, it appears that I'm right. <laughs> so now I'm like almost 50, um, and I've got three times that I can point to science and say, look, it's led me in a different area that I didn't, is very connected, but still not where I said I thought it would be very linear, and mm-hmm. I'd really be not thinking about these questions of equity. I knew they were there, but I didn't necessarily know that the research would lead me there. But it is, it, it doesn't leave a lot of time for teaching. I, I work it into what I'm doing, but mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that's already challenging. Well, it sounds like it gives you a lot of evidence to support the work that you're doing. I'm hoping yeah. so that I can say, here it is. Yeah. I'm wondering if anybody else has any stories about how this might be, how this has been challenging, what kind of challenges come along with doing this kind of work. I think, I mean, you spoke about time. Hmm. I mean, if mm-hmm. that's definitely been an issue, but, you know, because this is not the only thing we're doing. We're mm-hmm. still teaching a full class load and doing other responsibilities. So I am always thinking, well, I'd love to be able to do this and go interview this person and talk to this person and this person but I can't always do all the things I want to do um, because I just don't have the time. So I definitely think that is a challenge. I think in the long run, thinking specifically about my project, change may be challenging for some if we do decide to go with the change. Mm. But I do think if that's the right thing to do, everybody, you know, we will see that that's the right thing to do. So Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Once you have the the evidence right. built up there <coughs> and you know something might be a best practice or a better way of doing something you have how to act on it maybe yeah, how do you get there <laughs> yeah do we switch the periods that we do the intervention that you're talking about or not now that I have the evidence to do it yeah so I imagine we've all learned a lot in these projects um, Mayor Rick I'm if you can get us started here what have you learned about engagement and cognitive outcomes, all kinds of cool stuff. Learned a lot. Countless, countless hours and endless efforts of planning and teachings are worthwhile. (laughs) 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 Making a contribution to the collective knowledge base, recording teaching and learning frequently proves to be among the most rewarding aspect of this work. (laughs) And I really see that on my kids. And I know for sure that my students, and that I was talking to Jesse about it, after a while, seeing my first period, because they're the one I used to, um, to test, to collect mm-hmm. the data, I felt like it's not fair for the rest of my class mm-hmm. to suffer. Mm-hmm. So after about maybe three weeks of data collection, I use it with all my students. Mm-hmm. I said, because I know it's good and it's, wor- it's working and everyone will benefit from for doing the inquiry-based lesson. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of preparation for me to think of a lesson, how can I make it engaging and not telling them the answer. Mm -hmm. So it's not doing a cookbook lab that you already know the answer. Let them, it's okay to make a mistake, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I want them to, to experience that and to talk to each other, collaboration and working together. And so I, I put all those with the rest of my class and I said that, you know, and um, when they ask me question, I will usually follow up with another question mm-hmm. and make them think and answer right back. And th- so my kids, the way they think changes. They just don't memorize the subject. They really learn the content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can they tell that beyond, it's impacting them. Yeah. Yeah, and you just said something really important. You talked about contributing to a knowledge base and impacting your students. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that we get caught up in in the educational research world is are you, and Jesse and I have talked about this a good bit, 
are you doing research or are you doing service? And the ideal would be that you're doing both. Like, why can't it be both that's benefiting people at the same time? So I wonder if you have any other thoughts about right, that. Right, that's why I, I stop. Just, no, my, the rest of my classes will benefit from this. Mm -hmm. And so I did it to all my classes. Yeah, mm -hmm. and as Margaret was saying earlier, the other people are benefiting from the things that mm -hmm. you're able to share about this stuff. Margaret, what have you learned? I think, well, especially as I said, it's really been interesting to listen to other people in our group collaborate because I see a lot of connections and it's been very helpful as Maravik teaches high school. Middle school. Middle school. Mm. And um, I'm all the way down in kindergarten, but I still see those connections and what she's doing really connects to what I hope to be doing and try to do and should be doing. Um, it also makes me really... I, I'm always looking for where's the evidence and does it benefit children and it really sort of has crystallized, it was a challenge already and it's something I was very aware of about the ideas of equity for my students and opportunity and that's something that we really need to address not just at the grade level or the school level but the district level mm -hmm. and I think we've made some gains there but I still think it's something we really need to address a really especially with assessments um, the more I look at them the more I see that it's not necessarily measuring what we want it to measure mm -hmm. or even giving children the opportunities they need to show that they've learned something or mastered it mm -hmm. so that's really it's really making me look at and think about assessments not just at the grade level or the district level but the state level as well I think sort of what you're talking about what I'm hearing you talk about is um, the fact that a lot of the solutions that are coming down are just not attuned to the complexity of the problems that you're facing in your classroom. Mm. Oh, so that's really well put. Is that right? I mean, it's like... <laughs> I, yeah, they, like, I think so. Yeah, like the assessments really are not aren't. aligned with the needs of your students, the, 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 the curriculum that you're getting is not aligned with the needs of your students, and, and what I think one thing that action research does is it encourages, uh, it encourages you to take a little bit more time to reflect on some of these problems that you're facing, and that's why you kind of go in these different directions. Like what you thought was just a problem of, of like number sense or some sort of mathematical knowledge, then all of a sudden becomes gets into issues of um, of language access, and then gets into issues of you know uh, of equity, and and it becomes a much uh, right. All of a sudden, you start to see all the roots of the problem, and they become mm -hmm. uncovered through the process of doing the research. And you you might not have seen that from the first perspective because everything's coming at you so fast. And so I think it's um, and and what we need is more more articulation of the complexity of those problems up the system, so that the the interventions that come down and the supports, which should be supports that come down are actually more supportive in the way they're, they're structured. That's a very good point. We've made some progress, like the SOLs for math are being redone, and each nine years it seems there are a couple fewer. So we're heading in the right direction, but then you get that question of immediacy. Is that going to impact my children right now? Mm -hmm. um, because they don't have nine years to yeah. redo or re-be in kindergarten. So yeah, I think it is a question of, and maybe making certain... I hope that um, certainly if not at m my school level, but the specialists that we're working with, the turnaround specialists mm -hmm. certainly can advocate and do whether or not they can speak to the system yeah. as a whole, I don't know, but I'm, we're, yeah. I'm hopeful. Well, that can lead to another action research. Yeah. 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 You know, just that question, and uh, you've become the voice of other teachers that don't speak for themselves. And that's important. Yeah. I think, yeah. I I think mean, that's, that's true. What, if, if the system, if, if we think about how, how a system might be improved, I think a big part of how the system of education can get improved is more teacher voice involved. Yes, The teachers definitely. that are at the mm -hmm. ground level seeing, I mean, education is set up to to support the act of teaching and learning or the, the, the space of teaching and learning. And very, very few times are the people mm -hmm. that are engaged in that space, the teachers and the students, involved in the construction of the system. Right. Which is a, and that's one of the purposes of this program is mm -hmm. that is encourage, encouraging teacher leadership, encouraging teacher voice, and, and, and really building credibility for the points you make. So that when you say, I know this about my classroom, it's not just, an, it's not just perceived as an anecdote, it's perceived as like, no, but I have evidence to, to support these mm -hmm. points I'm making about my classroom. It gives you credibility when you're, 
when you're speaking about uh, speaking to points about system change. Mm -hmm. I think so, and that's another. Yeah. I, I don't know that I mentioned at the beginning, but it was certainly something. Uh, as part of Meta, this is a component, like Liza said, but mm -hmm. it's something that I discovered. I really do like research because I feel like one gets the evidence for mm -hmm. either one's correct hypothesis or the incorrect, but one has the evidence. So I'm hopeful that there will be an opportunity to say, here's some evidence, and this is something that we need to address if we want to see change. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. I hate to move on, but we probably need to. We should do a whole episode just on evidence-based policy, right? <laughs> Making sure we're making decisions. Oh, that we that's have good. Teachers at the table. We'll invite policy. everybody back. Yes. Yeah. Um, so everybody here, we've already started hinting at this with task forces, increased engagement, things like that. What kind of impacts have you seen from this program, from the work that you've done already? Well, I, I've talked about the task force that's forming, and we're going to make a decision, but just in from where my project started with how to improve Cavalier Morning for students and for teachers, I started doing um, a different type of session on Fridays and other teachers had heard about it and they would ask me things about it and so there was kind of conversations starting about, you know, okay, so this is going on in my room during Cavalier Morning, how can I make it better? Just conversation that I think made teachers think about how they could improve their own classrooms during that morning time. Mm -hmm. And we're definitely talking as a geometry team how we can take that forward and do something where we're teaching a remedial lesson instead of just having more of a study hall type time where the students are kind of in charge of saying, I need help with this. And us saying, okay, we're going to present this lesson on this day in this room. And so we're talking about doing some um, review strategies, especially heading into SOL season um, after spring break. So mm -hmm. just kind of being able to lead conversation between other teachers in my building, um, I think it's definitely helpful and exciting. Yeah, that's cool. So it's helping your students specifically, but also generating conversations with other teachers. Yes. Yeah, how cool. Maverick, how about you? Well, I said by becoming aware of the issues through research and implementing it through action. Hmm. I became aware of true need of the curriculum and gain new insights. Hmm. I, can, I can share my findings to other teachers at my school, to administrators, maybe tell them that this is what I did and mm -hmm. I wrote a research paper and it really worked and I found out that inquiry base is way to go to help mm -hmm. everyone, not just our higher le mm -hmm. level kids. Mm -hmm. And and uh, it start, these kids start learning to think for themselves. Mm -hmm. So I got all those uh, data to tell them maybe I will suggest that I can do a professional development one one summer, you mm -hmm. know, just to share them how uh, powerful inquiry-based lessons are. Yeah. How has that been received when, when you're able to share this evidence that inquiry-based learning is working with your students and you think it could work with other students? Well, first I, I kind of introduced it to my department and I said that you really, if you want to use it, you're welcome to use it. It's mm -hmm. We have what we call Schoology. Mm -hmm. And we share, we have folders that everyone can look at and, and uh, study it. But I didn't push it. I just said it's there. You're welcome to use it. And let me know what you think. Mm -hmm. So I haven't talked to the administrators yet. All right. About it. To be continued. Right. Jenny, I'll bet you have some good perspective on this because you've been a teacher as a researcher and you've facilitated this program. What have you seen? Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about your question more like less about my specific project, which I still think about even though it's been three years, hmm. but more broadly like for teachers in general. Um, and I think, well, actually, so this is getting back to me. Um, I think it's what I got out of it was sort of like um, it's a way of preventing teacher <coughs> burnout. Um, that if you've been teaching for a long time and you want to stay in the classroom, um, and I do, that there comes a point where you're like, there ha I there's stuff that I know. Mm -hmm. I want people, I want an opportunity to talk about what I know. And I think that action research um, has helped me sort of like find a vehicle for that. Mm. And even if I'm not doing my own action research, listening and helping other teachers do theirs, um, I just think kind of to, you know, Jesse was talking about letting like the knowledge trickle up. I feel like if you ask 
teachers know what's going on. Teachers know, <laughs> they teachers sure know do. what their classrooms need. <laughs> teachers know what their buildings need. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes teachers have been there way longer than principals have and just have incredible insights and so few opportunities to act on them. And I think action research is such an important way for teachers to define the problem um, and to really like draw lines around it and then start to explore it. Um, and those opportunities just don't exist um, that I know of in very many other ways. So mm-hmm. for me, it has encouraged me to Yes, I can keep doing this. As long as there are ways for teachers to research and act on what they're learning, then this is something that I can keep doing yeah. without needing to be an administrator or... Yeah, yeah that's, that's a big one for me. I think the takeaway from this and maybe every other episode of Abstract so far is that teachers know what's going on. Just listen to you, they know what they're doing, right? And I mean, Leslie, you were describing what your day is like typically and having to find time for this. If nothing else, I hope people listen to this and realize teachers are busy, they're committed, they share what they learn with their colleagues, and they know what's going on. Um, Margaret, how about you? What's been the impact that you've seen? Well, I think the ability to to talk to our turnaround specialists who Mm -hmm. really do have the two women that we work with um, ha- were teachers for a very long time. They have expertise in the classroom and then beyond that and as consultants. And so that's impacted. We've gotten professional developments that are offered. I'd like to see more people at them, but um, that's been really nice. Even the meeting we had yesterday, um, some of the questions that I've talked about um, and, and where my research has led me about how language can be an impediment to to the learning and, and the assessments is something that at least has been brought to the table. Mm-hmm. And we've been told that maybe people are going to start looking at supports for those students. So mm-hmm. that feels like, you know, wow, that we even got to that point, whether or not it comes to fruition, at least we've had the conversation has mm-hmm. begun about that and that's about. really important for my students so and i just to piggyback on what jenny said that you feel like yes we we've got evidence and maybe we can keep doing this and we're sharing it and we know it as you said i think that's really important mm-hmm. the word evidence keeps coming up mm-hmm. that's what we're finding here and jesse you've seen this from multiple cities from multiple perspectives mm-hmm. as a teacher as a researcher what do you think? What kind of impact do you see from these programs? I, well, I think it has potential to impact students um, when teachers are doing work in their classrooms and, and impact colleagues when teachers are doing work around professional relationships or collegial relationships. Um, and, it, and in that, I think it has the potential to transform school cultures and things like that. Those are sort of like, that's within like sort of the immediate domain of the teacher. There, I think I, I'm really interested in exploring the idea of how what's learned through action research can be shared to sort of contribute to the, the, to the broader knowledge about teaching. I think a lot of times what we think about is what we know about teaching is defined from outside of teaching by researchers or by policymakers, and um, I think that's problematic and we need teachers to contribute to that because the, the nature of teacher knowledge, like I said, is different. It's much more um, context, it's like, um, it, it's much more attentive to the differences across context. And I think a lot of research now is getting to understand that. There's more, like it, at, at the university, there's more attention to mixed methods research because that looks at what's happening in effects, but also how things are happening. And I think teacher knowledge is the same way. It's really attuned to context. And so uh, figuring out how to disseminate teacher research and its contributions, I think there's a, there's a potential for impact there. Um, and then I think it also really sustains teachers, like Jenny said. I think it's a, um, it's, there's, there's an effect, even if you're not seeing immediate effects in your classroom, um, they're probably there, but there's also like this effect on my own feelings of professionalism and my, my desire to stay engaged and stay in my profession which is really, really important. And it, it had that effect on me. Um, and it has, uh, I think, from you know, the experiences I've had working with teacher researchers over the past you know, few years, it's had that effect on them where it kind of renews their interest in teaching. Hmm. Um, and you know, one of the things that I'm very interested in is the idea of teaching professionalism. And I think that action research is um, something that really respects teachers as professionals mm-hmm. their, uh, and respects their ability to pose questions about their practice and answer those questions for themselves and not be told what the answers are, but to really engage in that type of inquiry. And so I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate of teachers as professionals, and I think action research is, a, is a, um, 
something that supports that. Mm -hmm. So shout out to the teacher morale study, which is all about teachers as professionals and teacher morale study. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, all of this, you know, any anything that's about you know improving you know sort of the professional cultures within schools and making them places where we can really be problem solvers and and we've got we've got big problems in education and we've been we've been going down policy um, in policy directions that I don't think are necessarily. You know, have have not solved the problems of the achievement gaps and mm -hmm. failing schools, and we might want to step back and think: Do we need more assessments? Do we need more standardized curriculum, or do we need to instill a lot of um, trust and and support for our teachers and mm -hmm. people that are working at the ground level in the schools? And I would I would say it's probably the latter. We need to kind of rethink how we're doing this whole this whole thing of public education. Sure. Well, speaking of professionalism, Maravik, this is designed as a professional development opportunity. You've probably done some others in your career. How would you relate this to your other professional development that you've done before? Well, my experience with action research is more of a hands-on. Hmm. Okay, hands-on and teacher-driven. And I love that. It's hmm. just like collecting. It provides educators with necessary skills and knowledge to engage them in meaning, meaningful ways. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that uh, by reflecting on curriculum, because I looked, okay, it worked, and I reflected and see that why can't the rest of my class benefit from this, mm -hmm. okay? And it is an integral cycle, plan, act, monitor, and reflect. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a good practice for all teachers to reflect what works, what didn't work in your teaching. Mm -hmm. And then maybe something that you're doing and then you start, oh, maybe that's wrong. And then start coming up with action research to do that and to help you to become a better teacher, to help your students and then uh, will benefit the entire school and speak about it, talk to them about what you find out. I think that's also need to be done. It's not just, okay, I've done the research and then that's it. You're the only one who knows about the research. Mm -hmm. Yeah, talk to your administrator. Hey, you know, I did this action research and it really worked and can we tell it to the entire school? Can I do anything? I'll be glad to do it for free and, and tell them what I find out. Mm -hmm. And everyone benefits. So it's professional development turned into more professional development right. for other people. How cool. <laughs> Margaret, how about you? Um, it was inter it's interesting because I had to do action research in graduate school and some you know, more traditional research. And in graduate school, it was fine, but I kind of felt like, oh, okay, we have to, you know, this is the class to mark it off. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it was fine. I mean, I always enjoy learning, but this has been much more meaningful. And I think, again, it, it goes to some of what Jesse and Jenny and Maravik had said, that um, that teachers as professional here was something that I thought I knew that we needed to address. Mm. And looking at it, but then that led me into another area, and that's really meaningful and important to teaching as a vocation and really important and meaningful to my students as well, mm -hmm. and hopefully can address some of the systemic issues that Jesse has brought up. Um, so it's been, in a way, very unexpectedly more rewarding than I was expecting it to be mm. because I had that memory of graduate school, and it was fine, but I was just thinking, okay, mm -hmm. do this again. But it's, it's led to some paths of inquiry, and as I said, some evidence to say there's some other ways that we need to be looking at this and doing this. Mm. So it's, it's been... Um, it's been a really rewarding opportunity. It's a deeper dive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Liza, you? Well, and going along with that, one thing I was thinking about is sometimes you go to a professional development and you have 20 minutes to experience something and then you're like, oh, this is cool. And then you come back to it a week later and you're like, wait, how, how do I do that? Mm. Um, this has been something we've been experiencing for six months mm. or so. Yeah. So it's, being able to go through that process over the long term has helped us grow, I think, tremendously because you're having that long period of time. You're actually able to learn from it. Um, the other part, I think, is interesting for me. I did a lot of student interviews with my project, and mm -hmm. so getting to talk to the students about what I was doing and getting feedback from them is so much different than what I'm doing in the classroom. 
it's asking them questions about you know their opinion about what they like about Cavalier Morning, what they don't like, mm-hmm. and um, what they're doing during that time. So just getting kind of that one-on-one time surveys from them, getting their opinions, just getting to know the students and their opinions on a different level, I think, was very interesting for me. Mm-hmm. So it's immersive and you get a new perspective. Yeah. yeah. I was my last cycle I did I was looking initially again this was so interesting I think you can just look at the quantitative in the last cycle really looked at the qualitative listening to the students and keeping running records and kind of recording their responses and I encouraged my students to speak I mean they speak in Spanish and English so that I could measure what what do they really know what are they really talking about mm-hmm. and sometimes it's so easy again best practices we know listen to children and find out what they know and giving them their, those opportunities. But in a high testing environment, sometimes you forget to do that. Mm-hmm. So while I didn't do surveys, I did something similar, like listening to them and what the information that I got back along with the quantitative was just, it was so so much uh, richer than I expected and, and was really eye-opening to, to see what they knew and what they were understanding and what they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, even though sometimes I had to check on the vocabulary myself. So that was kind of an interesting turnaround, too, for me. But that's a very good point. Mm. Um, Quickly, as we wrap up here, what advice do you have for other teachers who might be interested in conducting research in their classrooms? Sounds like there's a lot that you've gotten out of this. It will really develop and improve their teaching Mm. because they know what the problem in their classroom is. Mm. And then tackling that and doing research and what can I do to help my students and what can I do to help me as a teacher to become better. Hmm. I think to build on um, what Liza and Margaret were saying, I think um, the, the data culture that we're currently in, I think defines data as purely being quantitative and I think if a teacher is diving into this at first, they think that data just means like how did my kids do on this test? Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of data. And I think encouraging teachers to embrace other kinds of data, student interviews and recording conversations and, and writing samples and things that are a little bit messier and a little bit harder to maybe like find ways to analyze them, but ultimately, not that they'll necessarily show you more, but they definitely show you something different mm-hmm. that can oftentimes complement the numbers. Um, but I, I don't think that we live, I think our current climate may be discouraged. That's not necessarily a teacher's starting point. So I think mm-hmm. encouraging teachers to embrace all kinds of data. Yeah, qualitative data captures experience. Yeah. 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 But the numbers is also good because uh-huh. like right now, we are at, at my school, they're talking about, okay, the data, we are top, we are on the top. Let's take out the kids who are on the top and just our community students. And then mm-hmm. we are at the bottom. Mm. And that's shocking. You know. mm. So what are we doing? Are we just helping these kids? How about these kids? Yeah. So it's good to have that numbers too and will help you with, okay, what am I doing to help these kids to raise them up? A difference between what we might think about as, as data-driven instruction where it's about data and I need to use this data to, to, to figure out what I'm going to do the next day is that actual research really encourages um, a more sort of Thinking about theory, sort of like what, like not just what the data says, but like what is the what's the big story behind this, and how might I collect evidence from talking to students, or you know, artifacts from the classroom, or my reflections after you know spending a day in a class, or the numbers here, and what what is what are sort of some of the relationships between all the different contextual variables that are going on, and trying to understand that in a deeper way. I think mm-hmm. it really encourages kind of like analysis of problems in more complex ways. Um, it's more, it's research, what makes, I don't call data-driven instruction necessarily research. What research implies is that there's some sort of like conceptual framework. There's some mm-hmm. sort of like application of like, I'm trying to understand the relationship between, you know, what happens here and what where this is, you know, the, the, in the context which, within which it's happening. And so, um, and I think this type of work does that. What would I say? to teachers conducting this work in their schools. Um, I mean, one thing that I also wanted to kind of bring up earlier is, you know, I think teachers are, I think everybody's like, is, is a researcher. I mean, we're, we're all, we all inquire about the world around us, and teachers especially, so teachers are constantly collecting data, uh, they're constantly making observations, mm-hmm. um, and they're constantly learning from those. But I think, um, 
to think of themselves as researchers is not something that teachers necessarily just step into easily. Mm. But I think it's a role, and I think Margaret was bringing this out, is like, um, to have a conversation with a kid is something you do every day, but to kind of think about yourself as a researcher having a, a conversation mm -hmm. about your project is something different, mm -hmm. you know? And the, just kind of taking on this idea that I'm doing research here, it has a different quality to it, which is I think is really important. And um, I think one, one tendency might be to um, think about how messy action research is, because action research is very messy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because, because it's done in schools, which are very, messy and you know mm -hmm. unpredictable there's a lot of unpredictable things going on in schools all the time we call it noise yeah, yeah yeah but does the messiness of action research make it less rigorous research and, and i would say absolutely not that mm -hmm. action research can be done with a lot of rigor but it takes a lot of sort of adaptability and flexibility in design but what you're doing if you're a good action researcher is you're you're thinking about the decisions you're making and you're, you're adapting to context and a good project is not going to be a rigid one but one that's actually really flexible and adaptable to changing context and learning still happens through that mm -hmm. and so I want to and, and something that I've always tried to emphasize is that action research is not a soft type of research or a less rigorous type of research it's just as rigorous and there's there's um, really bad research that is you know mm -hmm. coming out of the university and there's really bad action research and there's really good too mm -hmm. it's about the sort of the, the quality of the um, decision making that goes into it and I think that re it, it really speaks to me. As I said, I, my experience in graduate school was fine, mm -hmm. but I guess m in my mind, I, I had action research and research, and maybe action research was the lesser of the two. Mm -hmm. And this, as you said, it's messy because I really, I just thought it would be back in August when we started, it would be very much a linear process and I'd mm -hmm. get to <laughs> the end and have an answer or not. and it would be a nice little package. And this has definitely been, I think that's what's been more rewarding about it, is mm -hmm. that it's led me into these other these other areas of inquiry mm -hmm. that have been, as you said, the context, contextually they've been so important for my school and my students and even my families because some of what I've learned is something that I've addressed and brought up at parent-teacher conferences mm -hmm. um, uh, in a slightly different context, but talking about things like vocabulary and how to acquire math understanding. So it has been messy, but um, certainly as Maravik and Liza said, really rewarding and um, mm -hmm. something that I think is really worthwhile, especially as mm -hmm. you said, to get, if teachers are professionals, then we need to be involved mm -hmm. in this. Mm -hmm. Liza, why don't you take us home? I, my biggest advice was going to select something that you're passionate about, which yeah. for most of us yeah. teachers mm -hmm. isn't hard to do. We <laughs> usually can find something that we really want to improve and we are passionate about that particular thing that we want to improve. But that's really helped me, um, mm -hmm. you know, continue to drive me to want to make this improvement in this program is because I am so passionate about it and helping students. So that would be my biggest piece of advice. Teachers know what's going on. <laughs> uh, we're going to have to leave that there for now, but if you want to know more about teachers as researchers or just action research in general, you can check out our website at merc.soe.vcu.edu. That's M-E-R-C.soe.vcu.edu. And click on the Action Research tab. There you will find background information about this project and a list of our awesome participating teachers from Cohort 6. Uh, those teachers are working hard right now on writing up summaries of their research projects, which we will share along with brief interviews with each of them on our website. Be sure to check that out. You can check out more episodes of Abstract on SoundCloud and iTunes, where we hope you'll leave feedback and share these episodes with your friends and colleagues. You can also follow the ever-developing work that we do with Merck on Facebook and follow us on Twitter, at Richmond Merck, where we are always posting updates. Um, our next episode will feature our brand new study about cultural diversity professional development for teachers. So that's exciting. We hope you'll join us for, again for that. Our thanks, as always, to the VCU School of Education for supporting the work we do at Merck, to Jesse Sinichal for his fearless direction, to Kyle Yoga Muffin Rudd for sound editing and for our super cool theme music, uh, to the wonderful and talented Tracy Naff for our logo design, not that I'm biased, um, and to all of our partnering school divisions, Chesterfield, Colonial Heights, Goochland, Hanover, Henrico, Powhatan, and Richmond. Our thanks to all of our great teacher researchers involved with this project, and special thanks to Maravik, Margaret, 
Liza and Jenny for being here with us today and for sharing your perspective. And of course, thanks to all the teachers and educators out there and to you at home for joining our conversation today. We hope you'll go out and high five a teacher for the important work that they do. Uh, my name is David Knapp. This has been another episode of Abstract, the podcast of the Metropolitan Educational Research Consortium at Virginia Commonwealth University, where we explore issues in education. Let's talk again soon.